we do think, you know, our shares are undervalued, the market's undervaluing us, mostly because we're invisible. I mean, we're not going to get any love from the investment bankers because we're not an issuer, right? I, the last time I did stock was in 2010. So that's not going to sustain, you know, a machine of bankers that need deal flow. So we're not going to get any coverage from investment bankers on that side. On an industry side, you know, there's people that cover the water industry, there's people that cover the oil field services industry, there are people that cover the housing industry, but they don't cover us. Yeah. You know, so we're too small on that side, so we don't get even love on that. So yeah, I do think we're undervalued. Welcome to the Stock Podcast, the only investing podcast where you get to hear interviews with public companies, CEOs, and CFOs. And this is Nate Abercrombie, the host of the Stock Podcast. In this episode, I'm really excited to give everyone the first ever follow-up interview that the Stock Podcast has done. Our guest on today's episode is Mark Harding, and he's the CEO of PureCycle Corp, ticker symbol PCYO. Mark first appeared on the program last year in June of 2018, episode 10. In that episode, Mark provided a really interesting in-depth overview of PureCycle's operations. But he also talked about some really interesting subjects, including Colorado's role as the sole water exporter in the lower 48, some of the history and dynamics around water rights in the United States. He talked about real estate development, and he also talked about some of the benefits his company is seeing from oil and gas development and activity here in the state of Colorado. In this episode, so a year and a few months after our last conversation, Mark talks about the progress his company has made on the first two phases of Sky Ranch, which is a master plan community his company has been developing over the past decade. Mark also provides his perspective on the oil and gas industry in the state of Colorado, his current thoughts on the valuation of his company, what he's been hearing from investors over the past 12 to 18 months, and he also provides some helpful insight into how he's currently thinking about the shareholder return story for PureCycle. So just very quickly on the financials, PureCycle has a market cap of $240 million, about $10 million in cash and short-term investments, no debt, which puts the enterprise value at about $230 million. Now, before we get to the interview, I ask that you consider something for a moment. My goal in creating this program was to give everyone the chance to hear interviews with public company management teams. For professional investors, this is called corporate access. And investment firms pay hundreds of millions of dollars every year to have access to management. So I'm asking listeners to consider supporting the podcast. And there's a lot of different ways you can lend some support. It doesn't have to be financial, but donations are very welcome. All you have to do is go to the website, thestockpodcast.com, and click on Donate. There's a lot of different ways you could send money my way. Another way to support the podcast is to tell someone about this program. I've consistently said this, but word of mouth really is the best form of advertising. And it's also advertising that I don't have to pay for. So please tell somebody about this program. Another really helpful way for you to lend some support is by subscribing on the podcast platform you use. Just click subscribe, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Spotify, Google Podcasts, whatever podcasting app you use, clicking subscribe really does make a difference on my end. And a star or a like or a thumbs up, consider doing something that you think might help me out because I need all the help I can get. And then lastly, I'm considering some sort of premium service. So if you go to the website, again, thestockpodcast.com and click on premium, 
There's a little poll that's very easy to fill out. You don't even have to submit your email address and your input is really important. Well, I'll stop there. So without further ado, let's get to the interview with the CEO of PureCycle, Mark Harding. Thank you so very much for doing the first follow-up interview. It's a pleasure being back here in front of you and, and seeing you again. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you again this morning. How, how have things been? Things have been very good. We have had a lot of activity in the last uh, 18 months or so since we first met and really excited about the progress that the company has seen over that period of time. So I'm happy to be able to share that with you. I'm excited to talk about it. And uh, especially since I also get to see it firsthand driving down I-70 and seeing all the construction out there. So it's really impressive. You know, and we're one of those companies that it does have an impact when you get a chance to visit it. You know, I mean, the, the visual impact of seeing the development, seeing kind of where we are positioned in the metro area, the access that we have to transportation, how our facilities come together, the proximity of oil and gas development, and kind of the push that that industry has as it tries to coexist with an emerging and expanding residential area. And then, you know, kind of where we're developing our water resources all have a very good feel once you have a chance to see it. So I'm glad that you had a chance to drive by. Yeah. You have your investor days out there, right? We do. We do. When's the next one? So we do those every summer to give everybody an opportunity to come out and kind of see the progress that we're making, not only in the development side of what it is that we're doing with Sky Ranch, but also how our water utilities expanding some of the reservoirs and giving everybody kind of that view of what it's going to be like if you're somebody looking for a home out here, what it's going to be like, you know, delivering water or wastewater services to customers that we have in the area. So we did this one in July. Uh, I think that's been a good month to do that. I think it's fits with most folks schedule it's been fairly well received for the past two years so we'll kind of keep that probably going every july patterns itself well within what it is that we're doing on how we report our earnings we're an odd fiscal year end we have an 831 fiscal year end which is kind of off cycle to most public companies and then that puts this right and squarely towards the end of our fiscal year We typically do earnings calls twice a year rather than three times a year just because of it doesn't change all that much. And so I'm kind of loathe to being in a position of updating investors with the same information. So I think a couple times a year presents itself well. So we do one in November to report on our fiscal year end results. And then we do a one at half year, which is typically around April. So then that July cycles itself very well and in between those two. So it does give everybody a very good perspective, not only in what's happening on kind of the season of the building activity, but also cycling between our reporting periods. Yeah. Now, I really appreciate the fact that you do twice a year reporting because I think four times a year really is far too much. It's very short-sighted, but um, right, yeah. I, I agree. So, if you, if you wouldn't mind just providing just a brief overview of your business, I mean, I know people can go back to the previous interview and, and listen to a more in-depth overview of your business and how everything has evolved for Pure Cycle over the past, well, since 1980s, right when you first bought those water rights. But a, a brief overview just for people who you know don't want to go back and look right now, that would be really helpful. Yeah. Sure. So, I mean, at a DNA level, 
we're a water utility and we do what you would normally think of when you think of getting water and wastewater service from a provider. Typically, that provider is usually a city or municipality, so they're government owned. If you look at water utilities throughout the United States, roughly 85% of all water or wastewater activities are handled by governmental enterprises. So only about 15% of those activities are handled by private companies like PureCycle. Uh, our operating model happens to be in the state of Colorado in the Denver metropolitan area. And really the principal theory is owning water as a resource. And we are in one of those unique areas where you can own water as a real property interest. And it's an area where there isn't a lot of water. And so we have a fixed supply of water. Uh, Colorado only gets about, I'd say, 13 inches of rainfall precipitation any given year, and most of it's all through the winter. And so what we have is a semi-arid climate. We have a growing population base. And so if you have a fixed supply of a commodity and a growing demand for that commodity, that's kind of what you want to own, right? I mean, your, your macroeconomic class tries to tell you if you have a fixed supply, growing demand, price will adjust to that. And so we have been long on water, owning water for a number of years, and we continue to be in the market for expanding and strengthening that portfolio. We also look at how that component can add value in other areas. And so we find ourselves uh, in a position where we picked up a land interest a number of years ago as a result of the fact that we had a water service commitment to that property. And in the real estate downturn, that property ended up going into bankruptcy. Our water commitment was tied to that land in bankruptcy, and no one was really paying any attention to the water interest on that because adding water to a particular piece of property here in Colorado significantly enhances the value of it. And so because nobody wanted to own real estate in 2010, and we had an opportunistic buy where we bought about a thousand acres that was ideally located. It was right along the interstate. It had an interchange right at the property itself. And it presented an opportunity for us to vertically integrate, not only being the utility provider, but also then to be taking a look at the development side of it. And it was something that we weren't exactly sure we wanted to develop the property. We were probably more inclined to partner with somebody to develop that property, but that opportunity never really presented itself for us. And so incrementally, owning the property was a significant component of it. Being able to develop the utilities was a significant component of it. And so delivering a finished lot for home builders seemed to be that third leg of the stool that if you had the first two, the third one was probably not as challenging as the first two. And so we decided to go down that path really broke down about uh, 18 months ago when we first met and really have had a, a tremendous amount of success delivering those lots. So um, really taking a look at what the company does, we're a water utility. We provide domestic water and wastewater service in addition to the domestic side. Sometimes there's an opportunity to provide raw water for opportunities. That's been another growing business of ours here um, due to being able to get oil out of oil shale. And so we've got a number of major oil and gas operators that are in this field that uh, are developing it. We've probably had, uh, I guess, water serviced about 130 wells in this area, and they use a tremendous amount of water for that activity as well. 
And so between developing the water utility, uh, using that water utility for the oil and gas space through industrial water, and then also the domestic side with a little bit of real estate development on the side, really it all underpins to that water opportunity. Yeah, no, that's great. That's helpful. Uh, do, you, do you feel like sometimes though, when you speak to investors, the oil and gas component muddies the waters, muddies the story for, for pure, pure cycle, because then maybe pure cycle gets thrown into the energy investment bucket that nobody really wants to pick up. That, that, that's a common problem for us. You know, if you really look at it, we're a water company yeah. and really participating in the scarcity value of water, but it's almost three different looks at it. Somebody can get their arms around a water utility. Very easy to understand water utility. There's companies that do that. They have customers. They deliver domestic water. They deliver wastewater service. They manage those systems to customers. And so that whole industry is very definable. You've got comparable companies that do that. Then you take a look at providing water to oil and gas companies. Well, there's oil and gas service providers that do that. And they transfer water from either water supplies that they own or contract for from a water provider that may not be a municipal water provider. They're just sort of an agricultural interest or something like that. And there's a whole segment of businesses that do just that. And there's comparables of businesses that do just that. And then there's companies that do real estate development and do that well and do nothing but real estate development. And finding a company that does all three of those, we find ourselves saying, well, what box do you fit in? And we kind of fit in all three of them um, with the underpinning that really it's the value of the water that makes the, all three of them work. But I do, I do find that challenge for folks to say, well, what, who are you like and how would I compare you to another company? Well, there are individual companies that you can use as metrics for that, but when you combine all three of them, we sort of become a unique company. Yeah. Yeah. So could you talk about what's changed over the past year? Um, if you'd like to start with Sky Ranch, um, that would be probably most helpful because it's most obvious. <laughs> it is. It is. And I'd say that's probably where the bulk of our energies have been spent over the last year, 18 months. And, and really breaking ground on that, what we were looking to do is be successful on delivering finished lots. And so the project as a whole is about a thousand acres. Uh, it will have somewhere in the range of 3,500 residential dwelling units and then maybe another 2 million square feet of commercial uh, retail light industrial space at the interchange right along the uh, frontage for the interstate. And if you equate that, and one of the things that we try to do is equate that to the number of connections that we're going to serve from the water utility side, that's roughly 5,000 connections. So what we look at is we'll deliver 5,000 connections to 5,000 equivalent lots. Now, some of those lots are going to be commercial, retail, uh, light industrial, schools, things like that. Uh, but if you equate it out to the number of single family equivalents, that unit number is what we're trying to deliver. Our first phase, we went out with um, about 150 acres. We had a small out parcel in our first phase, looking to deliver 500, it's really 506 lots to three national production builders. So we went out and started marketing our lots to 10 of the top home builders here in the, in the Denver metro area, and really uh, were pleased to have three very 
good national home builders. We got Richmond American Homes, KB and Taylor Morrison are our three home builders on that. And they roughly about a third, a third, a third to each of them in terms of the number of lots that they're getting and really look to deliver lots, finished lots on an incremental basis. And one of the things that we tried to do is structure the delivery of lots such that our home builders can participate in that. So that I manage the cash flows on that because it is a capital intensive model to deliver that. You have to grade out the property. Sometimes that grading has economies of scale, so you can't grade out just one lot. And as we were looking at it, it really made sense that we would grade out all 150 acres all up front, even though we will deliver individual lots over a number of different takedown intervals between the three builders. But we wanted them to help participate to that. So they participated in some of that grading activity. They, they were able to pay us on an incremental basis when we would deliver a platted lot to them. They would pay us roughly one-third of the overall value of a finished lot at the time we had that platted lot that allowed us to use that capital to be able to incrementally do more with that activity. Then we got a second progress payment when we were delivering wet utilities. So that would be the water, the sewer, the storm systems that we would put in. And so as you look at the progression of that, you do your grading activity. Then once you get that graded to where you want it, then you go back in, you develop your wet utilities. Once you get that done, then you start doing your curb gutter and your roads, and then you get your finished lot. So it was kind of matching the way you would naturally progress through investing into that property. And so that's worked very well for us. You know, it didn't overextend us in how we were investing into the property, waiting for that final payment. So, and the builders at that time, they were also getting value incrementally. So each interval and each payment they made, their lots that they owned because we delivered them at the first phase of platted lot were getting added value to it. So it was really a good partnership with our builders in doing that. And so uh, as of today, we've kind of finished, I think, around 250 lots of finished lots. So we're a little over or right about halfway point of how much land that we've delivered. We've closed on about 200 lots. So that's a terrific thing for us that we've been gotten full funding on those 200 lots for the builders. We'll close on another 50 lots in probably Q1 of 2020, which is coming up because we're sort of approaching the end of our fiscal year end. And then, you know, can incrementally deliver the balance of it. So we have the wet utilities installed for all 506 lots. So we'll get payments for those. If you'd like to continue listening to this interview, you'll need to become a member. To become a member, just visit stockpodcast.com. Members have access to all full-length episodes, and depending on the membership that you purchase, you can even have access to the transcripts. So just go to the website, thestockpodcast.com, and click membership at the top. Also, if you really enjoyed the music, you should check out Danheim. That's D-A-N-H-E-I-M. Mike at Danheim gave me permission to use the music for the podcast, and so a huge thanks to Danheim. And with that, take care and good luck with your portfolio.